wonderful, amazing, and great to us. We give you thanks. We honor you. Tonight, Lord God, we give you praise for who you are, not just for all that you've done, but because of who you are, we just want to thank you and honor you. You are certainly our Lord, our God, and it's in you do we live and move and have our being. Without you, we are nothing. And tonight, Lord God, we just want to honor you and thank you for all that you've done, all you're doing. We look forward with great anticipation with the things that you have in store for us. Lord, we want you to have your way in this session tonight, both sessions tonight. We yield to you and we ask, Lord God, that you'll remove every thought from our mind that is contrary, that will cause us to not be attentive to what is happening here at this moment. Remove those thoughts, remove distractions. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ and we pray, Lord God, that you will forgive us of our sins, that you will purify our heart. For, Lord, we want a clean heart. We want a pure heart. We want clean hands. For we want to be right before you tonight that whatsoever you have in store for us individually and collectively, it will be imparted to us. We want nothing to hinder the work of God being done in our life, being done in this meeting tonight. We want your will to be done. And so, God, we ask that you have your way. We yield, we surrender, but Lord, we will be active listeners, active participators, active, Lord God, just being attentive to your spirit and what you are doing in our midst. Lord, have your way tonight. Do whatever you please and take us along as you do whatever you're doing. We give you honor and praise and thanksgiving. And for all these things we've asked, we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Amen. Our first session tonight, we will talk about what a pastor looks for in a leader. What a pastor looks for in a leader. And so we'll run through that tonight and talk about that a little bit. What a pastor looks for in a leader. So let's take a look at um, what we will discuss tonight and see what we can get out of it. By the way, there's a mic on the side right here. Um, if we have questions since we're recording it, if we have questions, if you know you're going to have questions, step up to the mic so we don't have dead air time. So if you have a question, as you know, we're, we, we love questions. Um, but if you have a question percolating, uh, step up to the mic. So by the time I can say, okay, uh, what's your question? There's not a dead air time of you walking from where you are to get here. Just step up, and when you get there, then we'll ask the question. Then we'll allow you to ask the question so we can move forward. So let's start with what a pastor looks for in a leader. You are answering a call that will place you under the authority of a pastor. That, that's how God has laid out His church. It's His church. He's the head of the church. He designed it, and this is the way he will do things. So God calls you. He calls us individually, and when he calls us individually in his church, he's going to place us under the leadership of a pastor when he calls us in his church. There is no other way for it to go. That's just the way God has designed it. So God called you because God is going to do something in your life, but God has structure in the way he will deal with you. So once you answer the call of God to give your life to him, to be saved, what you're saying is, I understand God, you're placing me under the authority of a pastor. Some of you will be leaders in your local church here, and some of us already are leaders in this local church here. Each one of the offices that you could be placed under is an office under the office of the pastor. So really all of us are holding an office. So whatever we do in the church, it's God's structure, and we're all holding an office in God's big design is plan. However, the, 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 the office that is leading this operation is the office of the pastor. Maybe that's why a lot of people want to be a pastor, because they want to be in charge, and they don't want to have anybody 
telling them what to do. But as we will learn as we go along, and some of you that are already leaders in different places in your life, you didn't become a leader just being placed in leadership. You had to be a good follower. You had to show some good character. You had to show some things about you for someone that's in leadership to say that person will make a great leader. And that's how you became a leader. You never, you didn't just pop up and became a leader. So it's the same kind of concept that we're looking at in God's church. If you aren't very concerned with being what a pastor is looking for in a leader, then you probably won't last long or very long in that position. So if you are um, uh, uh, in an office in the church, you know, let's say you're the youth leader in the church and you say, well, I can care less what the pastor thinks. He's a man just like me. Uh, he's a human just like me. And God has called me and I know what to do. So I'm not going to worry about him. Well, according to how God does things, you won't be doing that very long because the pastor has the authority to say, you know what? We're going to ask you not to do this anymore. and We'll get someone else to do it. Yes. Um. I have been, just to name a few, a choir member, a head usher, evangelism coordinator, trustee, assistant pastor, and now pastor. So I shared those few things that I've done in the church. I've done a lot more than these things. I, I, I didn't want to get into all that, okay? I just, want, I just wanted to give you a few because I need to make the point of, um, you know, where we're going with this. Um, so what I'm saying is just by doing those duties or having those responsibilities, I can certainly speak from many different perspectives of how God sets up his church and the leadership and the structure. I have seen from the perspective of a regular saint in the church, I've seen from the perspective of a leader in the church, and I've seen from the perspective of an assistant pastor in the church. And I know that there are times when working under the authority of a leader can be frustrating. I know that working under a leader can be frustrating. I get it, because we all see things a little differently sometimes. I know that me being a leader and have people working under me, people was frustrated with me as well. They weren't always happy with the things that I would do and say and the decisions that I would make. I understand it. I understand being an assistant pastor and working under the pastor and wanting to see the pastor do certain things or make certain decisions, but he doesn't do that. And that could also be frustrating. So the point is, I've seen it from every perspective of how this thing works. And in every position that you are in, you can have a bona fide uh, challenge in, in dealing with the person that you have to deal with in whatever position, whatever office that you're in. So tonight, let me just give you several things that a pastor looks for in a leader. When a pastor look at a leader, there are some things that he is looking for that will help him decide whether he will use the person or not. There are some things a pastor will look for to determine whether he will use that person or not to execute certain office in the church. That's why you have some who may think that the pastor uh, may be playing favoritism or the pastor is preferring somebody over another because we can only see out of our own eyes. And a lot of times we see what we want to see and we don't see truth. We, it's very difficult for us to see ourselves. Now, I know what I normally try to do most of the times in appointing leadership for most of the positions. One of the first things I look for most of the times are people who are available because God used that criteria. So I try to you make that my first criteria, availability. They said there is no better ability than availability. 
You can have the best of anything. You can have great talent. You can have everything it takes to do something really well. But if we need you and you're never around, how is it going to help us? So the best ability that you can have in God's kingdom is availability. The good news is God is the one that gives us talents. And so if you're available, God can raise you up to do some phenomenal things in his kingdom because you are available. So that's the first challenge, and that's why probably things seems a little bit slower than it would be back in the day in the church because when you're looking for people who are available and the way how we are as a society, availability seems to be like lacking more than it used to be. And so when that's the number one criteria that a pastor is using, it becomes challenging, very hard, very difficult. But here is why availability is important to me. I'm not a micromanager. If I was a micromanager, I wouldn't worry so much about availability. Because if I'm a micromanager, it means I'm always around. What are you doing? You doing that? It means I'm always around. But because I'm not a micromanager, when, when, when we come to some agreement that this is your responsibility, I'm done. I'm walking away. I will teach you. I will give you the proper material to learn. I will provide whatever I can. But once I know you've got it, you've got it. If I was a micromanager, it wouldn't be that way. So that's why availability is, is, is very important to me. So I know you're getting it done, and I don't have to worry about you not getting it done because I know that person is always available. They're getting it done. I'm not even going to worry about them. So that's very important. That's the first criteria to me that must stick out in someone uh, that I would choose to be a leader. They, they, they have to be available. So that, that's very important. All right, let's go down a little bit. Here are some things I've found over the years that a pastor looks for in ministry. Um, well, let's start with a minister or a spiritual leader first. A minister, spiritual leader, I, will, I would lump those two together. So here are some things that a pastor would look for in a minister or some sort of spiritual leader. They must worship God. You can't be a spiritual leader if you're not one to say, I'm going to worship God. The second thing is you must be giving. You must give of your time, give of your money, give up yourself, give up your talent. You must give. Third thing, you have to be prayerful. You have to pray. Um, hmm. It's important to pray. Now, that's quite obvious. But what I mean by that is sometimes we're praying. Sometimes some people are just talking in tongues. That don't happen a lot here because we're a new church. Some people are supposed to be praying, but all they're doing is talking in tongues. No English to God. No, no communication. Tongues, tongues, tongues. What happened to regular communication? Some people, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. No communication. That's just... Some people, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. No communication. Prayer is communication. And so we have to be prayerful. So prayerful means having conversation, dialogue with the Lord. That's very important. Again, this is the kind of thing that a pastor would look for in a spiritual leader slash minister. They must also be active in loving souls, people. Got to be active in loving souls. We got to see you active in how you treat our visitors. How do you treat them? Are you loving our visitors? Are you inviting people to church? This is what we'll, we will look for in a person that is a minister or a spiritual leader. Uh, when, when, when there's altar call, do you come to the altar and pray with people? Or do you walk around and pray with people? We must see that because when you care about souls, when you love souls and you see people praying or you see people standing around not knowing what to do, you go up to them and say, hey, is there something I can pray for you today? One thing you got to realize when everybody comes to church, they want to leave with something. Everybody who comes to church wants to leave with something. So if somehow the word didn't reach them, but you came over and prayed for them, they left with something. I remember 
um, when we had moved to Lambertville, the very first service, the guy that had helped to make the transition happen financially, he was in the service. And, you know, preaching went on, everything went on. And I'm not sure, you know, what he thought about it. But right when the service was closing out, I went and touched him lightly on his shoulder and prayed for him. And he came and grabbed me after service and says, man, I was experiencing a whole lot of pain in my body. And as soon as you touched me, all the pain left me. He left with something. You follow what I'm saying? Like, he left with something. And so our first service, I remember just like the first service here, is kind of almost just people coming to say, hey, you know, I want to go check it out and support these people, you know? And so that's kind of what it was, our first service up there. And even here, people came and support us. But every time we come together as a people, we need to make sure we do things to make people leave with something. So inviting people to church praying for people, being friendly to people. Those are all important things. The altar, praying for people at the altar, being, a, being faithful in church attendance. That's very important. Let me tell you something that you need to know. If you're going to be actively inviting people to church, one day somebody you invite will show up and you will not be here because you're not faithful to church. And you know what? Whether you like it or not or believe it or not, most times when people just start coming to church, it's because of their connection with somebody, not because of Jesus. Jesus may have pulled them there, and they know they need Jesus, but what keeps them coming is their connection with someone else. And if you invited someone to church, and when they come, you're not here, they feel kind of lost, like, what happened to them? What happened to her? And so it's very important to make sure if you're going to be spiritual and you're going to be a part of what God is doing, you want to make sure you are faithful in church attendance. Then you have to have a good relationship with others. You cannot be a spiritual person, a spiritual leader or a minister in the church and don't have good relationships with people. Don't work. Because you know why? As soon as you begin to say something to them, the day you get an opportunity to speak from the front to them, they turn you off if you don't have good relationships. I don't care how truthful you are. I don't care how much you know the scriptures. I don't care how much you know how to break it down. When you stand before people, if they have a problem with you, they don't listen to you. So as a spiritual leader, as a minister, that has to be very important to you to keep good relationships. And you know what that means sometimes? Sometimes you're going to be right, but you're going to have to just be wrong just to keep the peace with people. This is what the Bible talks about when it says, you know, being able to keep the unity of the brethren. Unity don't mean you're always going to agree. Um, let me say it this way. Unity don't mean you have to be right all the time. Unity means sometimes you're just going to have to just be wrong in the eyes of your brother if it's going to keep the unity. I'm just telling you, that's just the way it is. You don't have to make your point, well, I'm not giving it up until he knows or she knows that I was right. Makes no difference. If you're trying to keep the unity of the church, the unity of the body, Sometimes you're going to have to say, no big deal, it's okay, when it's not okay. But mean it. So you have to have good relationship with others. So that's some of the things that we have to do and be if we're going to be a spiritual leader or a minister in our church. Here is what a pastor wants to see in a loyal leader, not a disgruntled saint. If you're going to become a loyal leader and, and, and nothing is ever right in the church and this is wrong and this is wrong, you are not qualified to be a loyal leader in the church. When people used to come to me and say, you close to the pastor, why don't the... I said, he's your pastor. Why don't you go talk to him? I got it to the point where nobody complained to me about my pastor because they know he, he's never going to give you a straight answer. They never asked me anything. We ain't not going to give you a straight answer. Why? Because I just don't, I just try to live my life the way that pleases God. So I can't tell you nothing bad about the pastor. 
Not going to share, not going to be being disgruntled saint. Because I realized a long time ago, God is in charge of my life. He uses the pastor to guide me along the path, but God is in charge of my life, not the pastor. He uses the pastor to guide me along, and that's God's way of, of, of laying out authority, using the pastor as his, his leader. But ultimately, God is the one that protects us. God is the one that takes care of us. He just uses the pastor as the leader over you. The other thing that you will look for in a loyal leader is the loyal leader must be behind the pastor's vision. The loyal leader must be behind the pastor's vision. If we say, let's do a building fund, if we say, let's do our uh, church picnic, if we say, blah, 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 then whether you like it or not, if this is your church and you believe God has placed you here, then you know what? If that's what the pastor is saying that needs to be done, let's get behind that vision and go with it. Remember, 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 this is never about the person that's leading the church. It's never about the pastor. It's always about you and God. Everything you do in the church is always about you and God. It just so happened that a whole bunch of other people is involved. But when it comes down to it, it's a between you and God. You have to stand behind the pastor's philosophy, right? So just the way the pastor does things, it might not be something you always feel good about, but guess what? That's the pastor's philosophy. The good news about this congregation is if you come to me and you say to me, Pastor, um, we're considering going to another church because blah, 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 blah. If, you're, if, if what you're saying is legitimate, I'm going to say to you, you know what? I can respect that, and I'm going to you know, work with you to make sure this transition is smooth and make sure where you're going is going to be a blessing to you. Yeah, you know, that's, that's the way I feel about it. So you never have to worry about, um, you know, what's my angle, what's my, my thinking about anything, because all I'm here for is to do God's will and to help you in the process of growing in God so you can do God's will. That's it. So you never have to worry about me doing anything and having motives and having agendas. I'm straight Bible. Actively loving people. As a loyal leader, you have to actively love people. As a loyal leader, you have to actively love people. As a loyal leader, you have to be dependable. Can I depend on you? Can your brother or sister in Christ depend on you? When you say you're going to do something, do you do it? Here is what a pastor wants to see in a balanced leader. The balanced leader, this is an important one, the balanced leader should not be emotional, meaning up and down. The balanced leader cannot be emotionally up and down, up and down. The balanced leader has to be even keel, whether you like it or you don't like it. Here's something funny. When the pastor, I know this happened back in the day, and I'm sure it happened in a lot of churches. When the pastor's preaching certain things, some people like to look at faces. Because they're trying to read what some people think about what the pastor is saying. So if you are a leader in the church and the pastor say, we need to take up a $100,000 offering. Because you're trying to see if that leader is buying in. Because you have to weigh your options too. Here's what you're doing. Because if so-and-so don't buy in, I'm not buying in. I'm just telling you how life really works. People really do it. If you're supposed to be a faithful leader and, and the pastor say, we're going to do a special offering and, and you don't give and you're one of the, you know, the faithful leaders, oh, some people are going to sit back and say, Brother Juby's not giving, I'm not giving. Because he wanted the faithful leader. That must be a scam. Oh, a well-balanced leader doesn't carry his emotion on his sleeve. 
A well-balanced leader doesn't carry his or her emotion on their sleeve, meaning you're disappointed and everybody got to know you're disappointed. Meaning something didn't go your way and you just flip out. How are you ever going to be a leader? Listen, if I haven't learned anything as a leader, here's one of the things I've learned. People expect for you to be better than them. Whether that's true or not, that's not the point. If you are in a leadership position and I'm not, this is not me, by the way, but it's just most people. If you're in a leadership position, I'm not, I'm looking, I'm saying, how in the world is she going to call herself a leader and she always come to church late and I come to church on time all the time. I'm just telling you how the mind work. So if you're going to be a balanced leader, you're going to have to really know how to keep yourself in check. You're going to have to be good at that because people will treat you a certain kind of way. And whether or not you wear your emotion on your sleeve when that happens, that, that, that remains to be seen. A pastor wants to see a leader who doesn't treat his or her ministry like a job. A job is what we do in return for payment. Nobody at Amazon says I will work an extra three hours and don't worry about it. Don't pay me for the three hours. I'm just working extra. Nobody does that at Amazon. Nobody does that at Walmart. Nobody does that on their job. I'll work three extra hours, but don't worry about it. They would rather say that because a job is, they will not say that because a job is what we do in exchange for pay. So nobody's going to say I'll work overtime, but don't pay me for it. They want something for it. However, in ministry, ministry is what we do for God. Whatever you're doing in the church, it's easy to tell when people are not doing stuff for God. Because if you're not doing it for God, you get irritated really easy. You complain a lot. You always have something to say about it because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. But if you're doing it for God... You don't think about nobody else or nothing else. You're just doing your thing. Do it cross your mind that others are not being committed and faithful to their job? Yeah, it crossed your mind. But when you're so locked in on the purpose for why you're doing it, then you're not so much worried about anyone else. You're worried about you doing a good job for the Lord. You are, working, you are not working for the church and you are not working for the pastor. You are working for God. Got to get that. That's something I got early that blessed me. I'm telling you, it blessed me. It blessed me. It blessed me. It blessed me. You heard me said it before. There are people that thought the pastor's taking advantage of me because I would do anything. No, I was doing it for God. So to me, someone watching me saying, you must be crazy. And I'm saying, I do this unto the Lord. It changes the whole game. Can I just now that I'm now that I'm here in my walk with God, I can just look back and say, what if I would have just let people get to me thinking that um, I was being used or I wasn't being treated fairly? What if I would have stopped and and just started conversating with those people and started, you know, agreeing with them? I don't know where I'd be today. A pastor is looking for a leader who isn't measuring out his work or her work for God. So when you have a, a, a responsibility in God, you're not trying to portion it out like this is all I'm doing. And Sister Scarlett, when she comes, she's going to have to do the rest of it because I'm not doing this. I come every week and I do this and I do this and I do this and she don't do this. So I'm just, mm, I'm mm, nope, not doing any more than this. That's not that kind of deal with that. We're, we're doing this unto God. We're doing this unto God. If you are privileged. To hold an office in the church one day that pays you. That, that's going to happen one day in this church. I'm just telling you. There will, be, there will be some paid positions as we grow. Just the way it goes. There are some things that you need to get a handle on or they can destroy your ministry. So you got to get a handle on some things when you... Start when you become a paid individual in the church. First, don't let your pay cause you to think that the pastor's unfair or that he owes you more. Everybody is going to have to 
sacrifice when the day comes. All of us will have to face this. If, if, if just, we have a good handful of leaders here. Just say that day come where what you do in the church is in such a demand that it's demanding you to work a lot of hours in the church. And the day come where you and the pastor have to have the conversation. Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, um, you do this very well. And it, it requires a lot of time, and you've been, you know, given a lot, but I know you're stretched thin because you're trying to do a whole lot in the church, and you're trying to work a secular job, and you have your family. And I said, would you consider coming on board as a paid individual for this office in the church? Well, the Lord's been tugging at my heart, Pastor, but I know it's probably not going to be what I'm making in my secular job. Well, what are you making in your secular job? Yeah, the church can only do. You're going to have to stop and pray about that one. Because now God is reaching you because you felt it before the pastor even called you. That's how God works. So you felt it before God, before the pastor even called you that you feel like you want to just give yourself to this ministry and you just want to be able to wake up every day and just everything that you do will be unto the Lord for this particular thing, but you have a secular job. And a day might come where you feel like God wants me to go full-time in this job and I can't say no to God and I might end up taking a slight pay cut. What are you going to do then? That's what most people that serve in the church and became a paid it became a paid position, that's usually a struggle because most people don't get what they were getting in their secular job when they first started working in the church. It's usually a sacrifice. Be careful not to judge situations you do not understand. Here I'm getting ready to get into something. Be careful not to judge situations you do not understand. Listen to this. Giving you some examples here. We see the pastor drive a new vehicle. We see the pastor and his family live in a nice home. We see the pastor even have some toys of his own, motorcycle, boat, airplane, whatever his toys are. And we see these things. And we let the devil begin to tell us, that ain't fair. He's supposed to be a man of God. He got toys. And we're here struggling. We live in a little apartment. You know, we can't eat big dinner all the time. And look at how he's living. That can cause one to become bitter. However, here's how you get the victory instead of getting bitter. Because those things will happen. Those things will happen. Listen to me. What you may not know is this. Is that the pastor has already gone through the process God has you now going through. <laughs> so you see all that's going on. You're seeing the finished work. You know what's funny that you don't know and some of you may not even think about it? When someone walk into this church and have no God background and they just walk in because they're visiting, they're looking for God, they're looking for church. When they see you, all they see is the image you are today. They have no idea what you used to be before. So they're looking at you, how you maybe look at the pastor's situation. You didn't know the pastor when the pastor was just like busted, had nothing. But now you see the finished work, the finished product, and what God is doing. You're like, I can't believe he's doing that. <laughs> he already went through the process that God has you now going through. He had already worked in places where there was hardly enough to pay the bills. That pastor had already been down the road of being less fortunate in his earlier days of ministry. He may have already been through seasons where he worked two and three jobs while he assisted another pastor. So what God wants us to understand is this. God is not going to reward you in the beginning with what it took others years to get from God. That's where the, the, the conundrum comes in, where we're feeling like, well, I've been in church three years. I've been in church two years. I've been in church five years. I'm supposed to have that. Well, God has a process, and we don't know how the process is always working. We know, right, Brother D, to trust the process. 
Brother, Brother Scarlett know about that too. Trust the process. God is not going to trust you with money until he sees what kind of attitude you have without it. Listen, I can't say this enough. That here's something slick that God does. Now, you know it's not slick, but to me I just say it this way because I think it's pretty funny. So, God don't trust you with abundance until you are in a good place spiritually. So what normally happens is, you know, when we come to church, we have all these grandiosa things that we had. We wanted this and we have this and we wanted this. Trust me, ask Jordan because he'll tell you. So we all have these ideas with the things that we have in mind that we would like and we want to have and all of our toys and what we want our house to look like and all this stuff. And we like, yeah. And we hear, you know, God's going to bless you one day. And we're like, yeah. And it's true. But here is this slickness about God. But it's okay. As you grow in God, really grow in God, some of those things become irrelevant to you. Because you don't have the time to deal with them anymore. <laughs> so just think. Let me give you a little example. You can, you can attest this. And so, okay. You live in a nice condo, and that's really great, but God is blessing you. You can have you a nice home with yard and ride mowers. But as you grow in God and you get involved with the work of God, you don't have time to cut your grass. So now you start thinking, man, I don't need such a big house because I don't have time to cut my grass. And so now here you go, you got to pay somebody to cut the grass for you. When it would have just been better to stay in your condo. But while you're in the condo, you're thinking, I need a bigger house. This is what's funny about God. So he will give you all of those desires of your heart as you grow, but you will realize, no, I'm good, Lord. I'm good. I don't really want it. And he'll give it to you and it, it will just sit. Because at that point of your life, when you're fully in, just, just, just involved in the things of God, you're like, uh, you don't have time. You don't have time. So I always say, that's, now that's, that's something pretty nifty with the Lord, but that's just the way it works. When you're just casually serving the Lord and doing your thing, you want certain things. But as you begin to get deeper in God, it means that your faith is different. You have a closer relationship. And now those things are not that serious to you. So that's very interesting how that works. There's a process of time that all of us have to go through to receive what God has in store for us. The other thing is this. To question the pastor's motive when he has all these material things, you don't hardly have any of this. And you're saying, this is not right. How the pastor have this? Here is what you're doing when you're questioning the pastor's motive. You're not really getting bitter with what the pastor has. You are getting bitter with God. Here is God's perspective. I own everything in this universe, all the gold, all the silver, all the land, everything. I own it. So if I own everything, why don't you have more than you have? God, can't get around God. So we're ready to, you know, question why that guy had this and I don't and why that lady had this and I don't. Okay, you both are serving the same God. Why is God allowing them to have what they have and he's not allowing you to have what you have? That's the question you got to answer. But the bottom line is God does what he wants with his stuff. What God is saying is that a leader, there is no church or pastor, saying to you as a leader, there is no church or pastor who could not or who could hold back blessings from you if God wants to bless you. It's the bottom line. If God wants to bless you, nobody can stop it. I remember when we were growing up in the church, we used to have guys that used to always say, uh, the man of God is, 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 is trying to stop me from being what God called me to be. That was big talk back in the, I don't know, probably early 2000s. People felt like they were called by God to be a preacher but they kept saying the man of God was holding them back. And I never bought into that. 
because I always knew how can the man of God stop God's plan? What am I missing? You know, I, you know, you know, I got this thing that I always say, what am I missing? And, and so if God is who he says he is, and I feel like God has called me to do something great, how God's going to let the man, the pastor, stop me from doing what God wants? God is the one that wants me to do it, not the pastor. So if God wants me to do it, how will God allow the pastor to stop me from doing it? Tell me, how is that possible? Not possible. If not, God is not who he says he is. God is going to make a way for you to be blessed. It's God who controls everything, not a church and not a pastor. God controls everything. God is the blesser. God is the giver. God is the provider. Don't get bitter with church. Don't get bitter with the pastor. They are just pawns in the hand of God. We all are just pawns in the hand of God. Don't give people more credit than they deserve, like they can do something. We can't do nothing except for what God allows us to do. We have to point to God and trust God. Our faith has to be in God. We can't let it be in anyone because God is the one ultimately in control. Another thing you need to get a handle on is if you are ever blessed to be paid staff, it is always work and you have to always work at your best. Don't put a dollar figure on the work that you do for God, even though you're being paid. So you're in, you're in a congregation and you're getting paid $45,000 a year. And in your mind, I could go outside the church and get paid 65000 to do this. You're putting a dollar figure on what you're doing for God. Give God your best. Don't hold back because you think you're being mistreated. Give God your best. Win souls. Love saints. Encourage others. Give it all you've got and God will bless you abundantly. A pastor is looking for a leader who is always looking for what needs to be done and doing it. Don't wait until the pastor asks you to do something. Find what needs to be done and do it. There's never a task too small that will ever be beneath any one of us. Remember, you are there to help the pastor better focus on his ministry. Listen to me carefully. You, all of you here, this, this is uncomfortable to say, but I have to tell you the truth. All of you here are here to help the pastor focus on his own ministry. Ooh, that sounds terrible. I have heard it said this way. You are not ready to have your own ministry until you support another man's ministry like it's your own. You want a scripture for that? Joseph. Joseph supported Potiphar's vision. Joseph supported Pharaoh's vision. And then the dream that God gave him came to pass. What God has given you and put in your heart that he's going to accomplish in you, he will not accomplish it until you give yourself to somebody else's cause and you take it on like it's yours. There is a lot of people that have not and probably will not fulfill God's purpose in their life because they, they, they feel like, what God has put into me, I have to do it. And they're trying to find ways to get it done and not following the way God is set in order to get it done. See, because we have to follow before we can lead and we have to learn things along the way. And when God puts you under somebody to, for you to grab a hold of their vision and, 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 and stand with them and support their vision, you're getting something out of it. Sunday school teachers. When you have to study to teach your Sunday school class, don't you get something out of it? Absolutely. So God never asks you to do something that you get nothing out of. So if he tells you, I need you to support that pastor's vision like it's your very own, don't be dismayed. Support it. 
By you taking care of things that the pastor would otherwise need to take care of, you free the pastor up to do the things that are pressing for his time. Remember, what you want from the pastor is great teaching, great preaching, him praying for you and your family, him looking out for your soul. You don't want him distracted from anything else. You want that pastor to be praying for you and your family. You want him to be teaching you the word of God clearly, and you want him to be in a place where he can see things that can get in your way and he's praying about it and he's talking to you about it. Watch out for this and watch out for that. You want that pastor to be focused on those things because if he's distracted with other things, then he's not praying for you and your family like he needs to. He's not, he's not uh, uh, studying the word of God like he needs to because he's distracted. So when we... Don't help the pastor stand with the pastor. It's only hurting us. Because God has set the church up. It's, it's a body. And the body function to, to help its, itself. We're, we're helping one another. So whatever we do will reflect all of us. A pastor wants to see a leader who is responsible. When the leader is given a task, the pastor wants to see him or her carry out the task without having to come back to the pastor for directions over and over. The pastor will feel like he could have done it quicker and with less trouble if he had just did it himself or herself. Also, the leader is given a task. The pastor wants to see him or her carry out the task without the pastor having to remind him or her about it. So I say availability is important. Because I'm not running behind you. I get you hooked up. You understand what you got to do. And I'm saying, do your thing. Let God do whatever he needs to do in you and through you. Do your thing. Another thing about responsibility is the pastor wants to see the leader who is willing to go beyond what's just expected of him or her. So you have a responsibility. Will you just do your thing and say, I did my part, or will you go beyond? Because you're, you're serving the Lord. You're not serving the pastor. You're not serving the church, even though you are, but ultimately you're serving the Lord. It tells the pastor that a leader's heart is in it if they go beyond. A pastor rarely ever looks for a leader who is great in the pulpit. There was a preacher, Brother Haney told his story. I think I know who the preacher is, but he never called a preacher name. But Brother Haney said, there was this guy that was in his church that was a preacher. And the guy wasn't really like a really great preacher. But every time the guy got done preaching, the Holy Spirit just moved. And all kind of miraculous things would happen. But while the dude is preaching, it's like the dude was just talking. It was nothing. And he's just like, is he Okay. And he would just talk and teach. But it just never felt like great preaching. But when he put the mic down, the Holy Spirit just moved through the congregation. Great things will happen. And I'm only telling you that to just tell you this, that yes, we need to be good preachers and teachers and we need to be sharp at what God called us to do. But what I'm telling you is the pastor should know, just like I know, not looking for what you can do in the pulpit. Because that's like the smallest portion of what you will do in whatever capacity God has you operating in. So if you are a preacher, how often, what's the percentage of time spent in the pulpit? And we're killing ourselves for that and forgetting that, you know, it's like, it's like getting married. People think about the ceremony, the honeymoon, and they don't think about all the work after that. All they can think about, ceremony, all their friends, all the gifts that they're going to get, the great honeymoon. Then they come back from the honeymoon to the real life. And now it starts. And, uh, and all kind of stuff going on. And they're like going through because they never thought it all the way through. I don't think many of us did. If you did, God bless you. But most of us that got married the first time, Man, are you kidding me? I don't think any of us had a clue. <laughs> I don't think any of us had a clue. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't think any of us had a clue. But thank God, you know, we're still going. But I don't know if we had a clue. 
The pastor's first, the pastor first looks at these things that we're talking about tonight in order to look for a leader, a minister, spiritual leader. We have to look at these things as a pastor in order to make sure the person that we're looking to put in that position, they're qualified. Just to reiterate real quick, we're looking for someone spiritual, someone loyal, someone who is balanced emotionally, someone who loves people, someone who stands behind the pastor's vision, someone who is dependable, someone who is willing to do what needs to be done, someone who doesn't treat his ministry like a job, a leader who is responsible, a leader who gets along well with people. Session one is over. Any questions? Where's the microphone? Get, have Brother Ivan come to the front. He's going to ask questions, and we can go from there. Amen. Anybody else will have any questions? Make sure you get ready so we can answer all the questions. Don't keep everybody from eating, Brother Ivan. They, they're ready to eat. <laughs> Not on a boat. I just wanted to add that. It's on. I just wanted to add that um, trust must mm-hmm. be somewhere in there mm-hmm. on the first two or three that you mentioned. Guess what? As I was preparing that, thought about it, but here's where, where I came from. If you're a Christian, that should already be a part of the equation. Right? So that's why I didn't mention it. If we're a Christian, trust, come on. You can't say you're a Christian and, 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 you know, you're not trustworthy. Yeah. Yeah. You've got some issues, dear, but well said. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else? We're all good? All right. That was um, less than an hour. Good. So the other one hopefully will be less than an hour. All right, so we will close out session one. Um, Brother Sam can tell you what we got in there to eat. And so let's get some munchies, and then we'll get right into session two. Thank you.